Your new or existing home is one of your most important assets, yet too many people rely on sites, shows, and tips from people who are not in the real estate business when making important decisions. It's time to get real and trust a professional. This is Real Real Estate Today with host Deb Tomorrow. In this series, you'll learn about making smart decisions when it comes to buying a home, selling a home, or even staying in the home you're in. Now, here is your host, Realtor Deb Tomorrow. All right, welcome to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. I am Deb Tomorrow. Uh, I am your host, and I just got good news from a title company, so I'm trying to refocus. At a closing early this morning, and uh, the buyer had wired money last Friday. Okay. Had taken $60,000 cash to the bank to wire it because he didn't really know what he was doing, I guess. And the wire hadn't shown up yet. So this guy's money is basically floating out there in cyberspace. The whole idea of wiring is really funky to me. So anyways, phew. But it's all good now. Yeah, no, like okay. literally just got to. That's why I, have I started. Other questions. Because <laughs> you know, I started talking like, and I'm like, I'm not ready to do this show. I need a second <laughs> to digest because I literally, yeah, because my. Um, my seller kept going, where's the money? Where's the money? Just because we were worried. But anyways, okay, I can focus now. So after my closing, oh, I should introduce like who I am and who you are and all that good stuff. So I am Deb Tomorrow, I'm Realtor in Bloomington, Indiana, and uh, we do this podcast. I need to go back and count and see because we've got, we're coming up on a hundred. Yeah, I think so. Which is insanity. And uh, I'm not sure how to celebrate that. I mean, lots of liquor, obviously. <laughs> That's a given. Good bottle of wine. Good bottle of wine. Right, or 12. Uh, And the voice you hear on the other side is Karen Rastel, who is the best dime lender in the state of Indiana with Ruoff Home Mortgage. Thanks for being here today. I'm glad that I made it over here today. Is it a little crazy? Oh, just traffic-wise, trying to get over from where I was. Oh, Mm -hmm. gotcha, gotcha. I'm a little nervous. Um, Yeah, it's, uh, this is part four of a four-part homebuyer series. So mm-hmm. if you're listening to this and you haven't heard the others, you might want to go back to the beginning. And I think we're going to bre- be breaking these out into small, like 10 minute segments as well. Um, but this comes from a, a homebuyer class. So that's what we're going to talk about uh, a little bit later is part four, the closing and the um, what do you do once you have an accepted offer kind of thing. So I'm excited about that. But I wanted to ask you as an aside, it was a service to the, to the town of Bloomington uh, where we live. If you haven't used ClickList, I have not. Several reasons. Because you don't do the grocery shopping. I don't shopping. do the grocery shopping. And there's, I'm getting mixed reviews. Really? I've seen mixed reviews of people posting. What? On, uh, so we're talking about Kroger, which is pretty much the main grocery store we have here in town. We have four of them. And then we have um, a lot of health food stores. But, you know, yeah. you I think buy Kroger the crap, is, I buy a, is a Midwest. Uh, have it in Houston. Yeah, or, but like a larger yeah, chain. Right. And now they're offering this click list. Right, where you order online, then mm-hmm. you go and they load it into your car. So yes. what are the mixed reviews? I've done it twice now. Um, I I don't. Um, I First of all, I hear people complaining about the parking spaces that are allotted for those clients yeah. who do the click list. So right. there's that piece of, in and of itself. Um, but then, I don't know, someone just posted last night that they gave it a go. But that... Um, but that um, it was just the worst experience ever. And then they didn't go into any more detail. But so now I'm kind of like, okay. like Really? Well, that's where I like always pause and go, okay, was that person in a bad mood? Like, was that on right. them or was it the actual service right. and everything? Because I, I, 
I, I don't know anyone personally who's done well, you it. You barely unless... interact with anyone, so I don't <laughs> know how you can get like really bad service. You know, I know there's a lot of people that say, well, I don't want someone else picking out my produce. And I have to tell you, I usually get pretty good produce. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done Peapot as well, which is even better because they bring it into your house and put it on your kitchen table for you. Um, but that takes even more planning. My my challenge with ClickList is you have to plan ahead. And mm-hmm. it's good because you're like, you know, you don't get the impulse buying which can be good for Kroger. Um, but um, That's why I'm no. not allowed to go to the grocery store. <laughs> Impulse buying? Yes, my husband will not let me go because I'll just get whatever I can. Well, so. as long as but it's... you've done it and... I've done it twice. Um, I've been pretty happy about it. The first time I had a lot of anxiety um, because I thought, I felt like it was so final. And that's stupid, right? <laughs> when you go into the store, you can wander around for as long as you want and... You know, and if you forget something, you walk back to the other side of the store and you get it or whatever. I feel like if I'm going to be successful at ClickList, I need to get everything that I need for the week and not go back to the store. Otherwise, I'm not a successful ClickLister. And that kind of finality was really stressful to That's me. A I lot know. Of I need medication. <laughs> Rachel's raising her hand. She wants to say something. Did you drive by that Kroger how many times? I a drive day? by that Kroger probably six times a day minimum because it's yeah how I come in and out of town. But anyways, um, yeah. So it, it worked well. Okay. I, and there were a few things when the first time, there were a couple things they didn't have. Mm. They come out and they tell you that, you know, here's, or here, well, I had some great substitutions. Like I ordered a pound of green beans and they ended up giving me two because they didn't have what I wanted. I was like, sweet. And so then I was like Susie Homemaker and I froze all the extra green beans so they wouldn't go bad. And I have green beans for days in my freezer. Um, so there were some substitutions like that because they'll like improve. Like instead of generic potato chips, I got your the Lay's potato chips. Okay. Good job, okay. right? Um, but there were a few things they didn't have and I was kind of like, oh, well, that kind of changes that whole like that one key ingredient that I needed for that one meal I was going to make. Okay. But overall, mm-hmm. it was a great experience, and it yeah. saved you a lot a lot of time? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, and that was, I go to the Southside Kroger, uh, or I don't know if there's a good nickname for the Southside Kroger. So here was my other part, too. If you're new to Bloomington and you're listening to this, <clears throat> or you're thinking about moving to Bloomington, it's important to know that we have nicknames for all of our Kroger's. Um, and I'm actually really excited because we've got another Kroger opening up very, very soon. And so we have opened a debate on what to call that Kroger. So we have Krogucci, which is like a big, giant, fancy Kroger. I also call it the fancy Kroger, but Krogucci. There's a live band in the Krogucci. Oh, they have heart play. They have like a heart player on Saturday afternoons. Yeah. Doesn't help my stress level. Kroguchi is even worse than the other ones. Then the downtown Kroger, which a lot of people call Dirty Kroger, which it's not. And I always tell people that. I'm like, oh, Dirty Kroger. It's not dirty. We just call it that. Proletariat. Because maybe, yeah, um, maybe it used to be dirty, but it's not. I guess I, I shop It there. has had a revamp. It's yeah, it's great. So it's completely fine. redone. Right. And then the one I go to, we call it, I call it croquet because it's okay. <laughs> uh, but other people call it Krotucky because... We're in the southern part of the county, and we're kind of close to Kentucky, I guess, is what oh they gosh. say. And then there's the Westside Kroger, which everyone's just like, well, you know Westside Kroger. Hey, that's, that's my, your Kroger. That's my Kroger. I do a lot of shopping at that Kroger as yeah. well. So the proposal yeah. for the Northside Kroger is to be called, this is really deep, but this is where it comes into, like we're a college town, so everyone thinks they're really smart, even when they're not, uh, Croasis. Because it's a food desert on the north side. There's no grocery store up there. There is that. You're and right. And so it's a food, and a lot of the lower income 
um, housing areas and uh, public housing and whatnot is on the north side. And it is a food desert for those folks. And so we propose it is Croasis, which is an oasis in the food desert, which I think is brilliant. Okay. But I think if you say it to people, they're kind of like, what? Maybe maybe there should be another poll that is mm, out there, too. What should we call too? it? Well, we, yeah. I had an informal one a while ago because yeah. it used to be a Marsh grocery store. The, the grocery store was called Marsh. So I was like, are we going to call it Krogarsh? Are we going to call it, <laughs> you know, like, what are we going to yeah. call it? And yes, the proposal was made that. by my friend Devin, who also renamed the new post office when that moved the downtown post office moved to the old Ponderosa restaurant Mm -hmm. and they totally remodeled that and now it's the Posterosa that is hilarious which is super fun to say yeah I'm going to say that now right almost as fun as saying Sheboygan um so Posterosa so anyways if you are new to town you need to like know all of this stuff because it uh you know it puts you in the know and I worry that you know people say Posterosa they don't know that Ponderosa used to be there I know. They're going to say, well, some realtor named Deb, I listened to her. She told me to. She said it's called Poser. I said, right? I don't know. So another topic uh, as an aside that I wanted to, because something happened yesterday that was kind of interesting to me. But over these shows that we've been doing about buying a home and the steps in the process and a recurring theme in pretty much every single one of our shows is how to develop, how important it is to have a good relationship with a realtor Mm -hmm. if you are, you know anywhere two years forward back of you know buying and selling to have a relationship with someone rather than just randomly calling names that's part of what I try to do with the show is kind of allow you to develop a relationship with me well I had a good example yesterday of why that's really important but I have to back up even a little bit more because I am switching accountants and I met with my new accountant on Friday and one of the questions I asked him was how do I not be annoying but what do you need from me. Mm-hmm. I'm always asking that question because I want to be a good client because obviously I'm an overachiever. My blood type is a positive, so it's a plus. So I have issues there. I get it. But, you know, I would welcome if people ask me that question too, you know, because I, I don't want people to not feel like they can't, they can contact me. Right. I'm sure you're the same way with mm-hmm. the lender. But then you were, you know, am I contacting too much or what's the right information I should be sharing or whatever. Anyways, uh, someone called me yesterday, texted me yesterday at 2.17 and said, um, we are supposed to be seeing this house, this is my listing, uh, at 2 o'clock. Are you meeting us here? I'm like, I got, I don't know who you are. I, I know nothing. Mm-hmm. You know? And they said, well, we clicked the button on Zillow and someone said uh, that they would show us the house at 2 o'clock today. I'm like, well, that wasn't me. And I think what people don't know is that, you know, Zillow, a lot of realtors pay to get leads off of Zillow. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't necessarily mean if someone's like a Zillow premier agent, doesn't necessarily mean they're the best agent in the world. I didn't know that there was even an option that you could schedule. A, I didn't know either. A, a viewing. I don't know what any of that looked like. Okay. but. I did say, well, you now were you emailing, texting? What were you doing there? And she said, well, we were emailing. And I said, well, does the agent have a name? Who were you talking to? Because I'm Deb. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, we were talking to so-and-so. They gave me the name. I'll tell you off the air. And she obviously wasn't there. Didn't show up. Didn't nothing. So I was like, well, I'm happy to show you the house. My point in all of this, if you have an established relationship with a realtor, you're not going to waste your afternoon sitting in the driveway of a house mm-hmm. You know, so that's just one of the reasons that, you know, I just don't recommend just clicking the button on Zillow. 
Okay, lesson learned from that. So when we uh, we're going to go to break here in a minute, and when we come back, we're going to talk about um, steps four and five of the home buying process. So I had it split up into five steps, and as I was thinking about it, this is how I boiled it down. Step one is the boring step because <laughs> that's like all the preparation stuff. Mm-hmm. Step two is the fun part because that's when you get to go look at houses. Step three is the scary part, because that's like shit got real. Yeah. Like I have an accepted offer now, and I got to do inspections and all that's really yes. scary, right? <laughs> Step four is the slowest moving time part. You know what that's like yeah. when the underwriters and, and the title companies are all doing their thing, and the, everybody's sitting around, the bi- borrowers, and it's, the buyers yeah. are like, what should I be doing? And yes. you're like, nothing, just wait, just wait, and it takes forever. And then step five is the whirlwind part, because at the end, it's like, boom, it all comes together really fast, and you close, and you sign all the documents, and all of a sudden, you, you're a homeowner. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So we're going to go over steps four and five today, the slowest moving Uh, time part and the whirlwind part so when we come back we will get started with that stick around you're listening to real real estate today your home for smart real estate the internet's number one talk station number one talk station voiceamerica.com Interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions, and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. 
You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, welcome back to Real Real Estate Today. And we are going to jump right into things with part four of our home buyer series. Um, and there's actually 12 segments total. So um, try and figure that math out. Okay. So we are going to talk today uh, about step four of the home buying process, which is the, uh, when you have an accepted offer, what happens, and then what happens at closing. So you found your dream home. Now what do you do? Um, and the first thing, obviously, is that you want to negotiate an offer. And this can get a little complicated if you let it. So just kind of take deep breaths and go with your gut. Um, the first thing you need to think about is how quickly do you need to move? And Karen, I know you've seen this a lot in our market in the past year that you have to move really fast. Yes, we do. So no dilly dallying, uh, typically, um, but your realtor is going to have an answer for you on that. Um, if it's a new listing, you're probably going to have to move same day in terms of making an offer. Um, one of the interesting things for me, I've been in real estate for quite some time now, 12 years, I think. Um, and, we're doing a lot of things electronically now that we didn't back in the beginning. So it used to be like, okay, well, let's schedule an appointment and then we'll write the offer up. Right. And now it's like, I'm going to send you something, sign it. Yeah. <laughs> part of that's the market and part of that's the technology. And I hate doing that because I used to be so set on like, no, you have to come in and meet me face to face. And I want to look at your eyes and make sure you understand. But we haven't in the past two years really had time to do that because you have to move so quickly. Right. So I'm like, I'm going to send this to you. I want you to sign it. Trust me. And then as soon as we have an acceptance, we'll come in and we'll like look, go face to face and go over everything. Um, the biggest question that people ask, usually the first and only question that people ask, and I bet as a lender, you even get asked this too. How much should I offer? Um, they do, or they'll say the house is listed for this, but I'm not going to come in anywhere near that. Right. I'm like, Ooh, you need to go discuss right. that with, with right. Deb. Well, what I always tell people is that there is usually a lot more to uh, consider when making an offer beyond just price. And so you have to look at the whole package. So yes, you're going to you know, put an offer price, purchase price out there, but you're also going to be offering a closing date. And some people think, well, you know, I'm going to close in 90 days because I'm in a lease. Well, guess what? That's probably not going to fly, but it's a negotiable item. And so you work through it. Um, you know, how long you have for inspections, what appliances are going to stay with a property, when do you get possession, uh, are the sellers paying any closing costs, uh, how much earnest money are you putting down, are you going to ask for home warranty, those are all negotiable things. And so again, what's really important is looking at the big package in our world, when homes are selling for about on average 99% of list price, which means there's a lot of homes that are selling for more than 100%. Exactly. We're not in San Francisco where they're selling for like 120% over list price. But still, you know, if you are asking for closing cost assistance and a home warranty and a super long closing and other things, you know, the washer and dryer when the sellers weren't intending on including them, then you're going to need to pony up and pay for that. Um, or you're going to have to kind of find some balance elsewhere. So it's really about balance when you're looking at that. Uh, one thing I do want to mention too with that closing cost assistance, because this, I don't know if you ever have people, I seem to struggle explaining this to people about how it impacts the seller's bottom line. Um, I, I, I do have some trouble sometimes. And uh, if they're in front of me, it's easier. But if they're not, I try to use some simple numbers. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I always use the $100,000 example. So if I say, okay, you know, seller says I want $100,000 for this house. And you say, fine, I'll give you $100,000. But I also want $3,000 in closing cost assistance. That's not free to the seller. I think right. a lot of people think that they just like don't think that that plays into the math. Yeah. But if, if the seller wants $100,000 for a house and you want $3,000 in closing cost assistance, that's going to feel like an offer of 97000 to them. Exactly. It's not an apples to apples. So he gets $200,000 offers and one has $3,000 in closing cost assistance. Those are a world apart in that world. Mm-hmm. So you might need to offer 103000 so that the seller's bottom line is still 100000 So I try, yeah, I struggle to explain that sometimes. And I think I need to do a little like... 30 second YouTube video with a whiteboard (laughs) and just send that that out to people and be like, here you go. Cause I get that question all the time. Um, but that's important to think about and It's important in a world where homes are going for very close to list price that that's not just free money. And I, as a, as a side to add onto this, Mm -hmm. that this is why it, to me, it's very important that you are working with a realtor who is familiar with that market, because if you are in that in that negotiation where you are going to go over list, uh, we just want to make sure that it is in an area that it's the likelihood that the appraisal will come out, you know, it'll support that for, value. Yeah, yeah, support that value because sometimes, you know, that may not happen. Right, for sure. Um, and then, so here's some other questions to ask when you are thinking about your offer picture, that's what we're going to call it. I'm going to coin any phrase, your offer picture. It's not your offer price. It's your whole offer picture. What are all these things that you're offering? Um, And so one of the things that you want to ask your realtor is what's the average sales price to list price ratio for your area, which is a number I just mentioned. So in our area, it's about 99, 98, 99%. Used to be about 96%. Um, and so that's gone up in the past year or two with the increase in the shortage of homes, uh, stronger seller market. Um, and that just means that homes on average are selling for about 98, 99% of what they're listed for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and remember, that's an average. So there's going to be some that come above and some that come below. So that's going to tell you kind of how much wiggle room you probably have. Um, the other question to ask is what's the market doing? Um if it's really slow, is there a lot of competition out there? I mean, that's going to play into how aggressive you can be. Um, I think a lot of people just, I don't know, they go in with this, like, I'm going to lowball mentality or the seller. I had a call last week from um, a realtor. Funny, funny enough, it was the same realtor that we were talking about in segment one who stood up the people that she was supposed to show the house to. But anyways, she had called about a listing and said, um, you know, well, it's going to be a cash offer. So how low can we offer? Well, first of all, I can't really answer that because that's not in my seller's best interests at all. Um, I don't, wouldn't give a huge discount for cash because loans or if you've been pre-qualified loans are almost as good as cash these days. Um, but you know, they went into the house and they saw that the sellers had moved out. And so they assume that the sellers are super desperate. And a lot of people do that and they think, well, you know, they'll take $50,000 less than what it's listed for. Well, you know, you also have to look at it from the seller's perspective. So my sellers, you know, maybe I don't know what their mortgage payment is, but it might be like twelve or $1,500 a month. So take that $50,000 hit. Don't you think they're probably going to rather just pay the twelve or $1,500 a month for the next, you know, six Hour months long. Yeah, yeah, and wait market. for the right buyer? Mm-hmm. Um, but people don't look at it from that perspective. So if you know, just don't get disappointed if somebody's kind of pushing back and going, yeah, it doesn't really, 
makes sense, you know. I, I mean, usually cash is king, but sometimes not not always in in our market anyway. I mean, it doesn't make things go any faster. Yeah. I mean, if I have two offers and they're exactly the same, except one's cash and one's finance, I'm probably going to go with the cash. Although right. that bit me in the butt last year because they gave me proof of funds and they weren't legit. Yeah. Look, it was well, the same agent. Be, then that would be a problem. Well, that's a pattern. That <laughs> There's a pattern here. Oh my like goodness that. gracious! Ah. Yeah. Um, but um, so, anyways, how long has the home been on the market is certainly something to consider as well. Has the price been reduced? Now, this one I think is kind of interesting. I try to explain this to people. When the seller has reduced the price, say ten thousand dollars, there is a period of time in which they grieve the loss of ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Sounds crazy, but it's true, right? They were hoping forever how long that they were going to sell it for X and now they had to give up $10,000 out of their pocket is how it feels to them. Right. So if you come in the day after they drop their price $10,000 and you want them to drop another 10, <laughs> you're going to get a lot of pushback. Sure. But if that $10,000 price drop was 30 days ago and the home is still sitting there, you're going to have more negotiating room. Um, and you know, a lot of times it's just, if it's not the right price for you, it's not the right price for you. And then it's not the right house for you. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You can't like make it you can't make it fit. And I think sometimes people are like, but the seller should want to. I'm like, you you can't. Yeah. <laughs> you can't force them. No. We feel like that, I think, sometimes when it's something we desperately want right. that badly. Right. Yeah. But it never, it's never worked out where and, <laughs> you can force it to happen. And sometimes it just doesn't make sense, but it is what it is. Um, one thing we hear a lot about are comps comparables. Um, and that's something that can be helpful to make sure that you're not overpaying for the house and tell you what the home is worth. And Bloomington, I find that it's kind of tricky because there's a lot of just really unique properties. Um, you know, we have a few, what I call cookie cutter neighborhoods, um, where there's enough similar homes that you can kind of do comps and say, you know, this, this home should sell for this. But for the most part, we have like real funky neighborhoods and, and, you know, country properties and things like that. So it's tricky to do comps and say, this is exactly like, like Zillow thinks that they can do. This is exactly what your house is worth. Um, don't listen to Zillow. I guess I should have put that in there too. And uh, the most important tip is just to understand your local market and make your offer based on that. I get a lot of people and they say, well, my mom said I should offer this. Or, or my you know cousin who lives in Las Vegas says I should offer this. And their basis of knowledge is just completely different than what is true and accurate in this market. Mm-hmm. So that's something to uh, be aware of. You smile and you nod and you say, thank you so much for your advice. And then you listen to your realtor. Um, I did want to mention that in this step is the first time that money actually comes into play where you guys start kicking some money out of your pocket. So we've come all the way through. Um, and now you put some earnest money down. Earnest money, people call it different things. Um, it's like a deposit. I always say that it shows that you have some skin in the game, that you're not going to just disappear off the face of the earth and cause the seller to sort of have to regroup and put their house back on the market. And maybe they lost another good buyer in the time that the house had been in that pending or contingent status. Um, It varies by market as to how much. Usually it's around 1%, but again, that's a negotiable item. And then that's held in an escrow account by the listing broker. In our market, it's different in different markets. Who holds that? But it's held in escrow, which is that word no one knows what it means. But escrow means in suspension. So that money is actually just sort of held in suspension. That check is deposited. Make sure it's good when you write it. Uh, and and then it's brought to closing, and it's, it accounts towards your down payment or your closing costs. Um, but the whoever's holding that money in escrow, they're not playing the ponies with it. They're not earning interest on it. They're not doing anything like that. It's just being held in suspension. 
So that is uh, the first time that you're going to have money out of pocket. I want to make sure we touch on that as we go through. All right, we are going to go to a break, and now we're going to talk about once the offer has been accepted, what happens next. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to RealRealEstateToday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions, and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit RealRealEstateToday.com. Can you truly be a change agent in your community? We think you can. Tune in every week for Envision with co-hosts Thomas Rosenberg and Ronnie Langer Kroger. The show is all about building an inclusive and just future by connecting people with ideas. Connect with what's happening in your community, your country, and around the world as we speak with amazing guests who are fostering change and making their communities better. Envision is heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, welcome back to Real Real Estate Today. We are talking about the home, my world famous home buyer seminar, breaking it down for you. So, um, there are many other shows in this series. So, if you need help finding them, just contact me on Facebook and I'll help you point you in the right direction. As I told my mother last week, Jimmy, send that show to you. <laughs> She's like, yes, please. I'm like, okay. So I can help you find them. So we are on the sub- segment, uh, which is once you have an accepted offer, what do you do? This is passing into the, we call it the, the longest period of time <laughs> phase where things really get drawn out and you kind of start to get anxious. Um, so at first, here's how it works when you, once you have an accepted offer and in the first like week or two, there's going to be like this flurry of activity and you're going to be like, Oh my gosh. Ah. And then it's going to like grind to a halt because all these people are doing all this stuff in the background. Um, people you'll never meet and you'll never talk to and you'll never know that they did all this hard work to help make your dream a reality. Um, but once, and then we'll have closing. So that's kind of how it works. So what happens up front and where it's really, really busy 
You're going to be scheduling and performing, uh, having your inspection done and probably doing some more negotiations from that. You're going to be formally applying for financing and making sure that your lender has everything that they need on that. You're going to be going to shop around for homeowner insurance and find the best situation for that. And then you're going to kind of sit around and wait. So my notes here say, ask your lender once a week if the appraisal's done yet. <laughs> your lender will probably tell you, but if you haven't heard anything in a while, you might check in. Uh, and then you're going to sit around and you're going to wait for your lender to ask you for more documentation. That's probably a fair statement. How, how often does that happen? Um, I would say about 90. 90% of the time. They need some. Yeah. yeah, there's always something. And it's cool. Yeah. It's totally cool. Don't panic about it. Don't worry about it. Just expect it. And then and then what will happen is you'll like bust your butt to get that information to them as quickly as possible. And then you'll sit around and do some more waiting. And then they might ask something else. And then you'll do some more waiting. Um, and then you'll ask your realtor what you should be doing. And I'll tell you just to go pick paint colors. Uh, <laughs> and then we'll get to the closing. So let's talk about the inspection briefly. I've got a couple of shows the complete shows that we did on inspections and we will probably do some more because it's such a important topic. So I'm just going to hit it at a real high level here because you can listen to a few other hours for more information. Um, home inspections can cost around 350 to even upwards of $600, depending on what tests are performed. A basic home inspection would be around 350 probably 400 again this is my market in Monroe County Owen County Green County Indiana um, you need to pay that that's another question we get a lot like well if the seller's paying for my closing costs can they pay for my inspection I don't recommend that um, a because the inspection needs to be paid up front not at closing right. and B because you want that home inspector working for you and I think a lot of people didn't really think about it but you know the Service providers work for who they get paid for usually. Right. So uh, you want that home inspector working for you. You want to own that home inspection report. In our market, you typically have around 10 to 14 days to do inspections. Again, that's something we negotiate. That's part of your, what do we call it? Your offer package uh, of the things that you picture. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Often, I'm going to start with a P. Here, uh, I coin a phrase and then I can't even like follow through. <laughs> God, I should just close, throw in the towel. Um, so your offer picture is how long to do inspections. Certainly, the sooner the better. Uh, sellers like to get through that process and know that that's good and we're moving on. Um, a home inspection, this is one thing I tell everybody, a home inspection is about 50% making sure you're not getting in over your head, that the house isn't falling down around you, that you're not obtaining some sort of hazard, and about 50% education about your new home. So the home inspector is going to talk about um, things you could do to improve the home. That doesn't necessarily mean it's something wrong that the seller needs to correct. It just means that the home could be even better. And here are some things that, you know, if you're going to do some projects, here's some things you would think about doing. Um, and definitely expect to find things unless it's a brand new home. Now, Karen, what's the, the lender's role here in inspections? I mean, depending on what lender you're working with or what type of loan program you're doing, the lender may not ever need to see that home inspection. Yeah, typically so, in my experience, the lenders are hands off, ear, hands over their ears. La, 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 I don't want to well, know. like don't just send it going. I, yeah. You know, I just thought it'd be helpful to have right. it. You know, some lenders will, if once they have it in their hands, they have to put it in the file and yeah. then it could open up other things. Yeah. Yeah. Do not send your home inspection report to your lender. Just don't do it. Yeah, just don't send what they ask for. Yeah. Don't send more right. and don't send less. Yeah. Um, so this is really separate from that. Now, if you're getting an FHA loan or a USDA loan or a VA loan, 
people sort of start to use the words inspection and appraisal interchangeably because the appraiser will check for some condition items, but it's not as extensive as an inspection and appraiser doesn't have the same certifications as an inspector. A home inspection is going to review the grounds, the exterior, the foundation, the structure and the roof, the heating and cooling, interior, plumbing, electricals, um, really goes, it takes, I mean, you know, for a normal 2,000 square foot home, it's going to take three to four hours. Like they really check every outlet, go into every detail, check all the doors, you know, make sure everything opens and closes and rolls smoothly and all that. Um, You typically, your realtor can get you names of home inspectors. Um, I always give out a few. um, And that's probably one of the best ways to make sure that you get a good home inspector. I definitely recommend that you plan on being there if at all possible. Um, I know the one home inspector I do a lot of work with, he really welcomes people standing over his shoulder and watching what he's doing. You know, he, he gets excited when people want to be involved and want to increase their knowledge about the home that they're buying. Um, that, that seems to excite him. So, so be there, ask questions, try to understand. And then what you're going to get back probably, you know, within 24 hours is a report that will rank the various areas of the home and typical terms they use is something satisfactory, which means it's working fine. If it's marginal, it means that it's still working, but you know, maybe it's cosmetically dented or maybe it's, you know, it's just older, but it's still functioning. Poor means that it's barely working, it's on its last leg. Significant issues or major defects are something that's not working as intended. And then a safety hazard is obviously a safety hazard. Um, Your focus really is on the safety hazards and the significant issues. And I think this is really important to understand. You can't ask a seller to fix something that isn't broken. So this is what we run into sometimes. People are like, well, what about the furnace? And I'm like, well, what do you want the seller to fix on the furnace? Talk to me about what's broken. Well, nothing's broken. It's just old. Okay, but the house is older too. So is it, you know, out of character? And 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 again, I just, you know, you have to ask the seller to fix something. Um, and so I've had deals that have fallen apart because the buyers have said, well, the furnace is old. I don't want the house. We probably need to just be building something new then. And thank you very much. We're going to keep your earnest money because that's not a reason to break the contract that you're under. So something to think about and also something to think about when you're walking through the house to make sure that if, if, if your requirement is that you need a furnace that's less than five years old, then you need to know that before you write the offer on the house. Because if it's a 10 or a 15-year-old or a 20-year-old furnace but it's working just fine, you're not going to have much of a leg to stand on in terms of trying to get that fixed because there's nothing to fix. Um, so that's sort of the, the, in a nutshell, the inspection process, you will be looking for if there's major defects, um, and then you can negotiate those. I guess I should interject here, my other pet peeve, and I know we've talked about this before. People who say, did the house pass inspection? People say that all the time. All the time. All the time. I'm going to get a billboard or 12. There is no pass fail. It's what you deem acceptable is the buyer. That's pretty much it. There is nobody that says, oh, red flag, shut the house down, got to move out. No. It is what you deem acceptable. So you are in the driver's seat on that. Um, okay, so that's my soapbox there. Other things you're going to do during this period, you're going to apply formally for financing. Karen, could you give us a quick 30-second what that might involve? Hopefully what you've already done up to this point is your lender already has 
the majority of all that documentation from the pre-approval, pre-qualification piece. So at this point, it could just be updated bank statements and updated pay stubs, which will make your life a lot easier because you're on this you know, crazy thing about, oh, I just got my offer accepted. Mm -hmm. So you get that information to the, uh, the lender. And in the meantime, the realtor is sending me the purchase agreement. I'm updating my system. You're locking in an interest rate and now you're signing initial loan disclosures. So we're moving things on my end as well. And so we need to get that process started um, and have it run its course. Right. One of the other things that's being done in the background is title works being ordered so that we can ensure that you're getting free and clear title um, on the property. So that is, is something happening as well. And then I usually tell people once you're done with insurance, that's a good time. Once you're done with your inspection, that is a good time to shop for your insurance. If you want to shop, it's a good time to compare. Make sure that you're you know looking at bundling. Um, I definitely recommend local insurance agents, someone you you can talk to face to face is usually a great way to go. So that is something that will be on your checklist as well. And then, like we mentioned before, your appraiser is going to be in, or you're going to go into the house. Uh, nothing you're involved with. You're not involved with scheduling. You're not involved with communicating. You're just kind of waiting to hear back that the appraisal is mm-hmm. a okay. Um, but the most important thing throughout this entire period of time, from when you've had the offer accepted up until closing, which is going to be our next segment, is do not buy anything. Do not finance anything. Don't go take advantage of that five years, no interest, same as cash on furniture. Because anything you do to change your credit picture can mess you up. That's, that is an accurate statement. So don't do it. And keep your job. Please don't switch jobs. Oh, my gosh. That's something I, else, too. Oh, so I've yeah. had that happen. So even if it's a higher-paying job, you know, talk to just your wait. lender first. Yeah, yeah just, just wait. Because um, you usually have to be at your job for at least, you know, you need a couple of pay stubs under yeah. your belt before you can close. I had uh, one client. He was so sweet. I had put the fear of God in him so bad about buying anything. He was like, well, there's this motorcycle I want to buy. I was like, Jim, can't buy a motorcycle. <laughs> and he's like, well, it's cash. I was like, Jim, you can buy that motorcycle. If it's cash, it's fine. As long as it doesn't impact your into down your payment yeah, or exactly. your closing costs. Yeah. Right. As long as that. But financing, not good. Mm-hmm. Don't miss a payment of anything. Don't decide all of a sudden I'm not going to make my last couple mortgage payments because I'm going to be selling my house. Nothing like that because they will pull your credit. I promise you they will pull it and they will check it again. A lot of lenders do do that. There are some that don't. But, uh, but yeah, just keep even if they don't, flow, yeah. Just, yeah. And even if they don't, you never know when they might Cele- celebrate after you walk out of yeah. your loan closing. The second yep. that loan <laughs> closing is over, you can hit the buy button and go for it. I don't care. All right. We, um, are going to take another break and then we will come back with our final spe- segment on closing. So stick around. You're listening to real real estate today. Your home for smart real estate. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions, and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. 
Visit realrealestatetoday.com. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, thanks for coming back. We are in our final segment and in the home stretch of our home buyer seminar. Make sure you've gone back and listened to all the episodes because if you listen to this one out of order, you might get confused. Uh, <laughs> So, boom, you are here. It's closing time. Exciting. You've been patient and you've waited and you've done your due diligence. Uh, so now what happens? Um, usually about a week or so before closing date, you schedule the, the, the realtor will start to call around and schedule a time. Uh, find a time that works for everyone. Usually you're trying to find a time. In our market, the buyers and the sellers usually attend closing together. Mm-hmm. Um, some markets, they don't do that quite as much. If I have a contentious closing, sometimes I'll separate. I'll do it separately. Um, but usually, you got to find a time that works for the buyer and the seller and the title company and the realtors. Um, so that can get a little tricky. But that's usually not done until we know for sure we're good to close. So that's about a week ahead of time. Uh, and what's important to know is that this is done during the business hours. So you need to figure out your work schedule. I have a lot of people who are like, well, I can't take time off. I'm like, well, I don't know what to There are a few title companies out there who can do it outside of, but most of them don't here in town, um, except Green County Regional Title. They will do it after hours. Um, so figure that out too. And then about this time, the one thing I swear I always forget to tell my buyers, always forget every time. Which is? Call to get your utilities oh, lined up. Yeah. It's so simple and I always forget it. And I'm always like, crap. Yeah. Um, so that you want to be doing that about that same time too, based on what day you take possession. But the big thing that we are waiting for is what we call the CD or the, what does it stand for? Closing disclosures, right? Correct. Which doesn't sound like it has anything to do with numbers, but it does. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about that process? The closing disclosure that, uh, the final closing disclosure will have all the final numbers, all third party fees, 
the lender's fees, uh, the uh, if you're a seller, you'll have the realtor fees that you're paying and things like that. So this is the final number of everything. And so this CD must be given to the borrower, you know, at least three business days prior to the loan closing. And then you can't change anything on it. So they had to have had some form of that CD in their hands to review so that they can start asking questions because it, it's six pages long um, and it could it could appear, you know, overwhelming to people, but it is broken down into like debits and credits and, and things like that. But, um, but that is given to the borrower so that they know how much money needs to be brought to closing or in the form of a wire yeah, uh, transfer. Right. And this is a, a great thing that started a couple of years ago where this closing disclosure has to go out three days before closing. So we actually know if that does, if it's a mortgage deal, this is not apply if it's cash, but if it's a mortgage purchase uh, and that closing disclosure does not go out three business days before closing, we're not closing. So that's good to know. <laughs> that and, and I want to also keep in mind, too, that this is for residential mortgages. Mm-hmm. So if you are buying, you know, I know some people who've done that before. Maybe now they're going to go do a business loan of mm-hmm. some sorts. They've at thinking that now they yeah. know the lingo. Right. And they'll ask the commercial loan officer, well, do I get my closing? Right. And that's not, not so on much. that side. Just residential mortgage loans. Yep. That's, that's a good point because I had someone once recently ask me, well, now we did closing, we signed all the paperwork, but now it's not final for three days, right? Like they could take it back. The sellers could take the house back. And I was like, no. They said, well, my mom told me. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to say your mom's wrong, but your mom's wrong because that is for a refinance. Of a primary residence. That you can, there's a, it's called a rescission period yeah. where you can sign the paperwork and then you have three days to have buyer's remorse and change your mind. Exactly. I don't understand why, but you do. Uh, that is not the case here. When it is done, it is done, which is why this is such a big deal. So Karen mentioned that closing disclosure is going to show your credits and your debits. So your uh, purchase price plus your cost of getting mortgage, your homeowner's insurance for first year, all that stuff is going to be your costs. And then there's going to be credits, which is going to be your mortgage amount, um, your earnest money, uh, any seller Seller closing costs. And then the difference between those two numbers is what you need for closing. Mm -hmm. Um, And in Indiana, again, this varies by state. In Indiana, if that number is more than $10,000, then you have to wire that money. Mm-hmm. And so you go to your bank, we give you wiring instructions, and you just hand the paper to your bank and say, I got to wire money, and they'll take it from there. They know what to do. Um, or like the poor gentleman that <laughs> closed, he had $60,000 in cash, and he called the title company and said, can I just bring you cash? And they said, no, no. you can't. <laughs> yeah. And we were pondering that. We're like, I'm not really sure why, except maybe they just don't want to mess with, you know, that's, well, but then we decided it's probably a government thing. Like, you can't, if you deposit $60,000 in cash, you're be like, where'd this come from? There is what a you lot doing? of recording information when you're doing high volumes of currency. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, but the title company is, or an attorney's office that you're going to, that's not their, they're not to be given, I mean, they're not a depositing type of institution, yeah. like bring right. cashier's check, right. a wire. Right. So be prepared for that, um, to wire those funds if it's more than 10000 If it's less than 10000 it does need to be certified funds, which is a cashier's check. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people just see check 
in their mind because they're so excited. They kind of glance over the cashier's part and they bring their checkbook and then it, we have to send them off to a bank to get a cashier's <laughs> check. So I say that like it's happened a million times because it has. All right. So you want to do that the day before closing. And then a day before closing or the day of closing, I highly recommend you do a final walkthrough. I've heard all kinds of horror stories. And actually one of the last ones I did wasn't a horror story, but there were some things. There was stuff that was not that you know, there was um, some repairs that were supposed to be done that hadn't been done. There were some things that were supposed to be moved out and, mm. you know, hadn't been moved out. Right. And so we were able to get that addressed before final closing. Because sure. a final closing, it's typically like, you know, you're done. Right. That's There's it. no going back yet. No take backs. Yeah. Um, at the closing table, you will need to bring your driver's license or a form of ID, not typically driver's license, U.S. Yeah. Government issued not passport, driver's license, yeah. military ID with a picture, yeah. something like that. Not your Netflix card or block yeah. used to be blockbuster card, but I don't think anybody has those anymore <laughs> um, because they do have to notarize uh, your license and you're going to sign a bunch of stuff and it usually takes about an hour. Um, and we've done a couple shows on this. There was one actually, I think back in December, that was a closing in real time where we had Brittany Libert from Regional Title Company who actually talked through like, okay, this is what your what a closing kind of looks like. Right. So if you're curious about all those details, there's plenty of information out there. And then possession. So you've signed everything. The deed's been signed over to you. The money's been released by the lender. Um, possession is if it's at closing, you get the keys right there at closing table. It's yours. There's no three day waiting period or anything. If it's not a closing, if we've negotiated that possession is going to be a week or so after closing, we're going to talk about, okay, how do we, how are you going to get the keys and when's that going to happen and all that good stuff. And then that's it. That was done. There's no balloons. There's no confetti. There should be. I know. But I, there's no like oh, those party it's favor a, sounds where yeah, yeah it's like, a little anticlimactic and yeah. I always tell the story about when I financed my very first car I was in grad school and my car broke down and I had to buy a new car and uh, it was used and I couldn't even drive it because it was stick shift so I had to have the sales guy like test drive it while I rode in the passenger seat I'm like I don't know if it works for me because it was like the only thing in my budget right no air conditioning but it's fine but I bought it you know and. As I was driving off the lot, all the salespeople like lined up on either side of me and like applauded and it was like super cheesy, but guess what? Like 20 years later, I totally remember it. <laughs> so I feel like we should do something like that, yeah, but then, you know, I don't know. Anyways. All right. Questions? No questions. But I was about to say, if you couldn't drive a stick shift and they're all lined up, are you like choking on the clutch and they're like clapping? Oh no, my boyfriend was driving. Because okay, he yes. drove me over to the stadium gotcha. so he could then immediately okay. teach me how to drive a stick gotcha. shift. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, all right. So that concludes our World Famous Homebuyer Seminar. Um, there are 12. There are going to be 12 segments to this. Four shows total. Um, in each show, there's kind of three segments. And so we're going to have that split up so you can listen to it. So if you've gotten this far and you haven't listened to the rest of it, you might want to go back and listen because it's good information that hopefully boils it down and makes it really, really simple. Um, it's not that complicated if you have the right team behind you. And that's really the key to this whole thing. A good realtor, a good lender, and other good resources like home inspectors and insurance people. Um, then everybody does it all the time. Not that hard. Don't be afraid. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in. We're going to be back next week with a great show. We're starting a new series. I'm going to tell you about it on Facebook. So look at me. Look me me up on Facebook and you'll find out what our new, we've got a new series that I'm pretty excited about. It's kind of cool. Thanks so much for tuning in. This was Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. 
Thank you for tuning in to Real Real Estate Today. Please join your host, Deb Tomorrow, for another edition every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week, take care of your home. It's one of your most important assets.